Welcome to Delivering Joy. I'm your host, Deanne Luke, and with 10 years' experience working with businesses, I've seen the highs and the lows. In this series, join me as we go behind the brands and discover what it really takes to deliver joy to customers. Hello, and welcome to our first episode of Delivering Joy. I'm really excited to bring you a fabulous businesswoman into our first episode. Her name, Nikki Parkinson. She is a former journalist turned blogger, author, and now fashion designer. At the core of all she does is her love of helping and supporting women to find greater confidence through their everyday style and the life they lead. Styling You, a Queensland micro-business Telstra Business Award winner, has attracted sponsorship from national brands such as Frankie Four Footwear, Allianz Travel, and Priceline. In 2019, Nikki launched her own fashion label, Styling You the Label, offering Australian-made, non-boring wardrobe basics that take the stress out of what to wear question. She has long advocated for a disruption in the way that fashion is marketed to women. Styling You the Label is the first label globally to invest in showcasing its designs on every size that it sells, so size 6 to 20. Not only does that increase customer confidence, but it flips the idea that fashion should only be seen on one size, height, age, colour, belief or ability. Please join Nikki and myself as we have a really great chat about her business, Styling You the Label, and a little bit about her background, but also at its core, what community means to her and to her consumer. It really is one of those values that underpin the what and why she does what she does. So enjoy. I'm super excited. This is actually our first podcast of the series. I really want to welcome someone that I've followed, known, worked with for a number of years now. Welcome, Nikki. So good to be here, Deanne. I can't wait to chat. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is really good for me because I, you know, have known Nikki for some years and was one of the first people I thought, look, who is brilliant to bring into the Delivering Joy podcast and Nikki was it. So, Nikki's got a really fantastic background. She's done such amazing work in both the fashion industry but also the blogging and influencers and there's so much that she can talk about. Give us a little bit of an update of where you are right now. Where I am right now. So, if someone had told me 15 years ago that I'd be designing and selling a fashion range I would have laughed in their faces, but secretly I would have been gone, go girl, that's exciting. I'm someone who has always loved fashion. I've always tried putting together outfits, not necessarily got it together, but it's just been something that has been this side passion hobby. Other people collect stamps or I don't know, but I, I would, I, as an eight year old, I would lay out my outfits for the week back when you didn't have yeah. to wear a uniform to school. So it's just, it would have been a funny thing for someone to project, but here we are and it's a great tool for my greater message, which is helping women to feel confident in their own skin. Yeah. And I think your career does come full circle sometimes. You, your passion and the things that you love to do years ago, people would tell you, no, you can't make money in that industry. You can't do that. No one makes money as a fashion designer or um, you can't have that longevity in a career. And then you would go off naturally and have a standard career but where does it take you it always brings you back to your passion and I wanted to get to why like why for you and why did you start both I guess moving from your blogging aspect and then into the, the label as well so I guess the biggest 
career change I had was at 41 when I jumped out of a 20-year journalism career. And that's what I trained for at university. That's all I knew. I just felt a disconnect with what I wanted to do in that job and the environment that it was in. And it was print media, which was already kind of seeing the tides of change happening. And it was quite a toxic environment to work in. And I was editing a weekly glossy magazine in the paper, which I loved, but I could also see that that was going to be the first thing in any budget cuts to disappear. And I really couldn't see myself doing anything else at the newspaper. Never had a desire to be editor of the newspaper. I loved being editor of the magazine and I loved the lifestyle factors. They're the things I like to read back in the day. I really had a very naive now or never moment and jumped out, which is kind of good and kind of scary when I look back on it. I had four months long service leave. That is it. And I just was like a hamster on a wheel, picking up work, university tutoring, PR work, freelance writing, anything to pay the bills while I started a personal styling business and a blog, which is now 14 years. To do it at 41 is so different to doing it, say, at 21, because at 21, you've got really nothing, you know, you, yeah. you know you've know, you got no real responsibilities. But at 41, you've got children and families. Um, Who apparently you know, need to be fed. <laughs> yeah. well, and mortgages and all the, all the things <laughs> yes. that it is a bigger risk or it can be, and it's a more thought through process. But I think you can do it better sometimes as you're a little bit older and make some really clear decisions moving forward. And that's probably my next question around the drive. Because you've got to have that drive to do it at 41. So, the drive was twofold. The drive was to have a job, if you like, that was flexible around family because my husband had started commuting to Brisbane. We were living on the Sunshine Coast at that time. And I knew that I was it. If something happened with the kids at school, I was the one who had to drop everything. And working on a seven-day week roster where you didn't know what you were working one week to the next would not have worked. So, there was kind of like that mental load aspect of it. And there just was a burning desire to do something that filled my cup. And it it had to have kept me going because seriously, I was doing all the side hustles while I was trying to build a business, which was the side hustle, I guess. Some days I'd be working till midnight because Flynn was only three and I'd kind of do his thing and then I'd get on the computer And I remember about six months in, my husband tapping on the shoulder and just going, how much longer do you think you should give this? (laughs) (laughs) And it was about that time that Twitter was actually a fun new thing on the internet. And I connected with very wonderful women who I'm still friends with today, like-minded women. And I went, this is what I've been waiting for. I have spent my whole life sharing information, but more on a broadcasting level. But here's a chance to have a conversation. And through that, I discovered there were other people who had blogs like me. It was just an eye-opening, motivational, pivoting point for me because I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do. I'm still doing aspects of what I did as a journalist, but I'm connecting And there's a chance here to build a community and that lit me up. Yeah. Over the past 14 years, it's really evolved. Yes. You know, you can't say that you're the same business that you were (laughs) in day one or day three. And take me through that evolution of the beginning to where we are today. 
So I liken it, and I think this is one of the aspects that my journalism career set me up for, is that when I started as a journalist, we were on typewriters. So even in that 20 years, the evolution through to computers, I think there was one office email through to the internet, all of that happened in that first career for me. So it kind of set me up for how that changes in technology happened exponentially after 2008. And I was just had a pivot and adaptability mindset and it was very much needed and I didn't know how much it was needed because it still is. You still have to keep changing and evolving. You're still sharing content, but how are you sharing it? And that was something that I kind of prided myself on that I didn't have a head and sand attitude about email marketing, about social media, about changing up how you do social media because all my life I had worked around changes in in technology. And I think that says a lot around your passion too. You've got to keep up to date with the technologies. You know, if you want to be relevant and if you want to attract the right customer as well, and it's just a part and parcel of being in it, I guess, you know, and the fashion industry I find do adapt to those technologies very quickly and they move quite quickly as well that if you get left behind – so do some of your, your your customers. But take me to today and how the business looks as it is. Okay. So, the, today the business looks very different. For starters, that first business plan way back in 2008 probably said something about building a personal styling business and your blog was something just to share information. It very much now is a community, that Styling You community, but also we have a community around the label, Styling You the label. And that is the crux of everything that we do. In terms of the structure of the business, we're very much an online-only selling platform. We have a wonderful warehouse team, Fulfillment, Deanne and her team at Lexington. Just giving her a plug there. Thanks. Um, Well-needed plug. (laughs) That allows us to work smartly with remote team members. I have a part-time marketing manager and a part-time customer service manager and myself. And even in the label's short history of three and a half years, that team has looked very different and the structures look very different. And that's something that I've adapted to because most of the time the label has been in operation. We have been working under the uncertainty of the pandemic. Look, it's interesting that you talk about how internally your operation changes, but not necessarily your customer. You know, who is your customer? Because that probably hasn't changed too much from the blogging days to then now, you know, moving that into a physical label. So, take us through who your ideal customer is and has it changed or would you would you say that it, you are sort of directing to the same sort of person but just in a different platform? I think the customer and the person that we attract to the community is still essentially the same. We're probably, as I've got older and the demographics got older, we've got an older customer, but we're still getting that 35 and up Australian woman coming through as a customer because they're finding us, we're a safe space, we're a safe community for them to feel welcome, no matter what their age, shape, size, background, if they want to play and experiment and feel good in clothes. And that's what styling you has always been about. It's not about one particular look. It's not about saying this is exactly what you've got to wear every day. It's about giving you the confidence to work out what is going to work with you and your lifestyle. So, essentially, that customer is the same community member that I've always had, 
And it's typically women who aren't traditionally talked to by the fashion media. Yep. Which obviously that media landscape has changed completely over the last 10 years anyway, but they feel welcome. And if they want to have a play with what's in their wardrobe, they know they have a safe space to do it. I love your business model. So take me through a little bit about your business model because that does give some leverage to your customer. But I love the way that you release your collections. So take us through a little bit about that. But it's also not just that collection. It then integrates with other collections. And I think there's a real story that you try and link collection to collection. And we see that. I see it from my side. But I'd love to hear from you with how you go through that because it's such an incredible thought process to ensure that you've got this longevity of a customer making themselves feel great year on year. Yeah. So I've never been about anybody having to completely wholesale change their wardrobe season after season. From an environmental point of view, from a budget point of view, it just makes no sense. What makes sense is that you buy well, you buy with consideration. And so our label aims to create quality pieces that will not only work for you right now, but work for you season after season. And then when I'm introducing new pieces or new colors or new prints or new styles, I make sure that they kind of make sense with what might have come before Mm -hmm. because our repeat customer is our business and they actually love that if they bought a top in blush that we have something coming that goes back with that, even if that was a limited edition at the time. So I want women to think that way. We have kind of probably in the last 15 years got caught up in this fast fashion economy where there has to be changes all the time, but you need a new outfit because it's Saturday night. And I really love people to rewear. And so in introducing a fashion label, it seems kind of intuitive to add to that, but it is actually about teaching women to build their wardrobe so that everything in it works for them and their lifestyle and they don't have a wardrobe full of things that make no sense. And how do you sort of forecast for the season? Because I guess we're driven by trends, whether it be shape, style, and especially colours. How do you sort of have influence from that, but not necessarily going with the fashion forward trends at the same time? There's always a nod to trends because I feel like that's how you can keep a wardrobe modern and up to date. But there's never going to be an extreme trend that is going to look silly in three years time that you're going to feel like, why did I go down that rabbit hole? And that comes back to building that considered wardrobe. And that's not to say you shouldn't have those pieces in your wardrobe, but for our label, we don't claim to have everything for your wardrobe, but we claim to have the foundation pieces to allow you to go and have a bit of fun with a high trend piece that you may not wear next season, but you'll have the pants to go back with something else on trend the following year. That's a little bit of our point of difference. And that's what I keep in mind every time we introduce, particularly if we introduce a new color or print, it might be a nod to what is on trend out there, but it might also be something that has a universal appeal no matter what is fashion yeah, season. Year on year, yeah. regardless. Yeah. And you're also Australian made. So, you know, there's, there is some brilliant labels around that are Australian made and there's a lot that aren't. But what was your, the fundamental decision to manufacture here in Australia? In short, it felt right. And in short, I also was approached by someone who I had already had a lot of trust with 
she explained the process to me and how it would work. And I went, you know what, this sits really well with me. Uh, This also essentially means apart from having a warehouse team that does our fulfillment, I have essentially a manufacturing team based in Australia who it just expedites every aspect of, of the process for me, guides me because I didn't go to fashion design school. I've got lots of ideas that either get laughed at or Tweaked, tweaked <laughs> to make sense and yeah. to, to become a pattern. But it feels good to me personally to be able to manufacture here in Australia, support Australian workers. It is an industry that potentially won't survive another generation. But in us signing up with these factories, we're helping to fill some gaps and keep people employed for now. And that's what sits well with me and a lot of the stuff and decisions like that I make are quite intuitive mm-hmm. and other people would say it makes no financial sense and it probably doesn't. But for me right now, it is exactly where I want to be. That's a decision that, you know, and that the path that you're wanting yeah. to go down. Um, you've talked about your business being only about three, three and a half years old. Pretty much for two of that, we've gone through some fundamental changes in both in the world. And I guess I hate to use the word COVID because it is what it is. But we've just, I think going through that, it's the most unpredictable place, at the, you know, over those couple of years that anything can happen at any time. So, how have you sort of structured your business through that period and made decisions that you've to keep you where you are today through probably, you know, in some respect, could be a really tricky time. It was a really tricky time. And because we were still dealing with the unknown of what to order in normal times, like we were, we'd only- Because you're so we, new. We hadn't even completed one year yeah. before the pandemic arrived. And so, you don't have that data another business would have after five years of trading. So, it was, <laughs> I remember- at this point, we had we had literally just signed a lease on showroom premises that also we housed all our stock there and we filled from this location. And lockdown happened six weeks later and Sydney had sent our whole season's worth of clothes boxed to the showroom in case no one knew whether even logistics like that would get transport in within Australia would get cut off. And I remember looking at all these boxes <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stock and I'm going, oh, my God, I can't even have a photo shoot <laughs> to let alone market this. Will I have a meltdown or will I keep keep going? Keep going. Yeah. And I have a mentality that if I'm doing something and I'm moving ahead and I'm making a step and I'm going forward, then the rest will keep happening. I'm not really one to sit there rocking in the corner, even though there are many times yeah. that I've yeah. wanted to do that. That doesn't feel productive to me. I feel like I've still got to be doing something. So, in that particular case, I just went to my models who are influencers who I pay. I said, girls, I know you can all take photos of yourself. We're doing this. We didn't know we were going to use the word pivot a lot back then. I said, how would you feel about photographing all of this in your own lounge room and supplying the images to us? And they all said yes. And when those images pop up in our archives, I've just got, it brings tears because. So amazing. Without yeah. that. And yes, they're not the quality that we would normally have with our photographer, but we had no choice and we had to sell stock. Yeah. And it, it, <laughs> it still makes me laugh. And it's a great story to be able to tell now, but it was just terrifying. And then I went, no one knew 
And I think the first launch we had just as the first lockdown happened was pretty bad. It was probably 50% down on what had been forecasted before as well. And forecasted, yeah. Yeah. forecast went out the window for a little while there. And I've gone, holy shit, if this is going to be 50% down, this is already stuff that's ordered. What, what is like, yeah. are we done? And then people started shopping online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People had to change the way that they, they did things. And I, I think it, it's a bit for people to catch up. Those first two weeks of that lockdown, everyone freaked out. What are we doing? Even we were quiet. And then I actually did a budget at home. <laughs> That's how freaked out I was. <laughs> and then after that, you know, once we started to understand what is this going to potentially yeah. look like in the next three and six months, I think people did feel a little bit more confident. Yeah. We were also very fortunate that the final two launches of the season were all designed, well, we designed them for people to go travelling in. We just flipped and called them. Stay at home. home, (laughs) Pretty much stay at home. Yeah. And we released a pair of Ponty jogger pants, the Susie jogger pants. Amazing pants, by the way. That literally saved our butt in COVID. They sold out our manufacturers. This is another, like, manufacturing in Australia during those times manufacturers secured fabric from someone else's order made more i think we sold three lots that first winter and that got us through like seriously one pair of pants and a winning style at the right time and people just want them having said that that winning style has continued to sell every winter but i i will always i'll probably frame that pant before we ever get rid of it And as I said, amazing pants mm. and it is just understanding your customer, what's happening in the market and using that word again, pivot, to be able to to still sustain your business through probably the most unpredictable time that probably any of us has, have mm. really seen to date. You know, no one would have ever predicted what the last two years was ever going to, to bring us. But here we are, you know, and we've, you know, we're it's getting, yeah, um, throughout the, you know, both, I guess, your styling and then your, you know, your blogging business. What's some of the things that you've had to make really tough decisions on? There's been a couple of points in, I'm going to talk about the label first because it has been a, a tri- tricky time. So I, at the same time COVID happened, I had a bookkeeper who literally had to drop everything and save her own business. She was doing side hustle with me and she has her own business. And I realized that I could send invoices on zero, but I had literally no way of knowing where the business was at and everything was not up to date. So my accountant didn't even know where it was at. So I have actually been Nicole from accounts every Monday since then. And I'm quite proud of myself because I used to boast that I'm not a numbers person, I'm a words person, but in business, you don't get that luxury, particularly at a startup phase. And I think you've got to know your numbers You've got to know well. your numbers. There's too many people we, yeah. I meet, oh, look, do you know what? I actually am not sure. Yeah. If you don't know, then how can you predict and forecast yeah. for the tough times? You're able to make those quick decisions because you could physically see what, what was coming in and what you've committed to as well. Exactly. And my accountant has a fantastic forecasting program that enables me to go in and look very clearly where we're at. But that only works if everything's up to date in zero. Yeah. So that was, that was definitely one of those tough moments. But again, I went, okay, how do I move forward on this? Another tough moment was losing a key employee who'd been with me for a while. And I realized that 
I had spent all of COVID just keeping everyone employed, but not really looking at what's best for the business. And that's when we made the move to Lexington Logistics and you made that very easy. And for me, that was such a light bulb moment as to how an online business can run so much more efficiently when the people who are skilled at sending out orders, that's what they do. They do it every day and they do it very well. And also not even knowing then all the disruptions that would happen with lockdowns and COVID spreading and all that kind of stuff that would disrupt staff. It was, that was another tough moment. And then the other tough moment was about September last year, I had to really look about whether we would continue the showroom lease. It's a big space that used to house all the stock. It had to be staffed up because we were open five days a week, sometimes six. And I went, we have taught everyone to shop online so well. The orders get fulfilled so well and so beautifully and so quickly that we're not even getting the numbers through Brisbane in our showroom that we were in 2020 when we were literally shut down for two months. So it made no financial sense to stay in another commercial lease. And we changed the business to working from remotely from home, coming together, working in a co-working space once a week. And it simplified everything. It took us a huge chunk of stress away from me. And I realized that this is the type of business that I want to be running. Yeah. And, you know, you've made some really good points there that I think being in a small business, you have to make the changes super quick. And that's the beauty of small business as well, that, you know, you don't, yeah, you don't have to go and seek authorization and, um, you know, up higher and through investors and things like that. But you can make those quick decisions yourself because you're on the ground and you can see exactly what's happening. Tough decisions. But how do you feel now coming out the other side and certainly not out the other side yet? Because this year is going to be a really interesting year. I think that's where we're going to see a lot of change with business because this is the, the year out of COVID. And that whole thing is, are we out? Like yeah. people are being directed to work from home again. Like Correct. it's just, yeah. it terrifies me that we still have to operate in these times of uncertainty, but I feel like it's going to a personal trainer in uncertainty the last two years and you just, you keep, you keep going, okay, what have you got? Throw it at me. I'm ready. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Yeah. And in the nature of a fashion business and, and any product business, no matter where you're getting it made, you're ordering in advance. You're trying to guess what the consumer is going to be doing six to nine months in advance, how much they're going to be spending. You just, you just don't, don't know. know. It's yeah. a guessing game. And yeah. it, and, and it's always, it, it, even before COVID, it, it's, it's with fashion, it's always a guessing game. Yeah. Um, you hope you're making a bit of an educated guess, but I just don't think anyone can really do get, that anymore. No, no, no. And I think by just, just being in it and changing when you need to is the beauty, yeah. I think, of, of what you're doing because, you know, a couple of years in, you know, you've had the top three, you know, two years of the, of yeah. the three. I think it, it is important to, to be able to reflect and go, look, we can do this. We've made some really tough decisions along the way and we're, we're up for the challenge moving forward. From the last few years, what's been your biggest win? Like, because there has to be some some wins in there. Well, the biggest win is that our turnover has continued to increase year on. And so that was in a tough time and we've done that. So for me, that's a financial success. That's a very fundamental reason to keep going. And the second win is more an altruistic one. It's that we really have helped so many women 
to feel good about themselves, which is the whole ethos of styling you and having our own label to help women feel that way, particularly in the mid-size range up to our size 20s who can't necessarily walk into a store or buy online and have it fit their boobs, bums and hips. So that when we get that feedback from the customer, when they send us photos in their Facebook group about how we've made their tr- their first trip back overseas easy or I'm going to a conference in Melbourne, I've packed all styling you the label, that is our biggest yep. win because if we're not doing it to actually help people, why are we doing it? Yeah, and I think that's probably what's taken you through the tough times yeah. as well. Is yeah. that there's under you know fundamentally you've got some really core values within your business of what that looks like to the customer, and I think that's where you've made your decisions is looking back at those values and thinking, do they align with us as a brand? Can you talk us through some of those values and why these are so important? Because I think this is what drives you at the end of the day. Yeah. So, with my blogging days, I go back to, so 2010, I started a series on the blog called The Model and Me, where back then, 2010, there were very few online fashion retail businesses and even campaign images in stores. There was only one type of body represented in fashion. That obviously has changed a lot. It's taken a bit to it's get there, It's taken though. a bit to get there. So, I would do these posts, model and me, campaign image of the model, very tall, size six, very small percentage of the population actually look like that. And so many women couldn't imagine themselves in that outfit. I could often imagine other women in them, but so many couldn't. So, I would just photograph myself in the same outfit. I sold a lot of clothes for those brands yeah. where I did that. And I did that over years and years. And- When it came to deciding to do our own label, I went, well, I need to put my money where the mouth, my mouth is. And we're going to go and we're going to be the first brand globally. No one else is doing it. We're photographing on every size that we stock, which is a massive investment. But not only has it helped so many more women to feel seen and to, to feel part of the fashion community where they belong to, but we make it easier for them to shop with us online with confidence. All the measurements for all those models are there. So we're we're appealing to a demographic who might not be as an au fait with shopping online. We try to make it easier for them. So there's that two-pronged approach. And then within that size diversity, I aim with every photo shoot to include women of different colour, ability, beliefs, and that changes over the time due to availability of models. But we want women to feel seen. And hopefully when they come to our site or look at our social media, that they can kind of identify with one or two people. And that's an ongoing process. And it's not about tokenism. It's actually about leading the way and disrupting how marketing of fashion has always been. And it's been a bugmare of mine because I've felt for so long fashion's never talked to me, even though I really love fashion. Yep. Because it never has spoken to you, then you've wanted to change that. For other people. Yeah. So then yeah. they can come to you. And I think that leads us into part of the podcast is around delivering joy and, and understanding what that means to the customer. Because I think that's an important part is that when you're purchasing online, this is the package that turns up and they open. So what does that mean for you to ensure that your customer has been delivered joy when the Australia Post or whoever it might be turns up because 
you know, that's the final step in the process. They have this beautiful site that you've done exceptionally well with different size models, with different shapes, heights. But at the end of the day, the, the customer, you know, has their piece. What does that mean for you? And how do you want to make sure that, yeah, they're really happy? So a couple of things. One of them is logistics, um, which I keep coming back to you. <laughs> we made a decision at from the get-go to only offer express post and best decision in the last couple of years because if you try and send anything by normal post, it'll take three weeks. So it means if people want to return, it comes back pretty quickly as well because they've got it quickly. They love it. Most people get their order the next day, which, you know, in the world of online shopping, I can get everything from the next day to two weeks' time paying the same amount of postage. So that instant gratification, almost instant gratification, they love. They love the blush ribbon that's tied around. We thought it was a little thing or, you know, it's a nice little touch, but it's been involved in, the ribbon's been involved in weddings. It's been reused on other parcels. So those little touch points have been beautiful. And, and it's so simple too. It's so simple. It's, you don't have to overthink no. that that aspect. You know, when you don't have to wrap everything and do a million different things. It's just a simple pink ribbon that goes around the package. Exactly. Yeah. Which can be reused. And then obviously when they put it on, and they feel that feeling of it fits. I feel comfortable. I'm sitting down in these pants and they're not digging in. I feel put together. I feel confident. That is the joy that we want to be delivering with our clothes because I think particularly for women, we've got full lives no matter what we're doing in our life and you just want your clothes to be your armour, to feel good and not get in the way with what you're doing in your everyday life and if that's what people feel when they put on our pieces then that joy is delivered yeah perfect what's one of the key takeaways that actually encompasses your entire brand as a function and how you make decisions each and every day it comes back to our community and the community is the customer and we ask the customer every time they purchase with us what they would like to see we make them involved We encourage them to be part of the Facebook group. We listen to them if they have some feedback about certain designs and we've changed designs because of that. I'm only one body sampling clothes when we're doing prototypes. So getting that right has been essential to me. So I don't sit there and operate in a bubble and just Make what I want to wear, although there's a little bit I mean, of that. You'd, I mean, yeah, and if we just did what we wanted, yes. it would probably half of it would half never it. sell <laughs> um, because, you know, but you've got to have your consumer in yes. that community, you know, in mind. Do you reach out to them for surveys or for feedback or how do you sort of adapt with, okay, this didn't work this time, but let's change the shape or the button is too high or there's little, you know, differences that may occur. How do you sort of pull that information from your community? So there's a few different ways. Sometimes we get wonderful direct feedback and we welcome it. When returns come in, there's a requirement that they say why they're returning it. That requirement just helps us to see if there's any patterns in terms of fit which happened with a couple of garments in the last year, which I've now worked on to improve the fit on. And the third one is an automated email that goes out if they're making their second, third, fourth and so on purchase. It is genuinely asking, what are you wearing right now? Because it's whatever season it is. What would you like to see in our range? 
And we get some great, like obviously not everyone responds, but we get some really great ideas. And sometimes if you get five ideas that are pretty much the same thing, you go, well, if five people have bothered to respond, yeah. then there's probably 50 who are looking for something like this. So let's And sometimes do it's things that you probably have never thought of or you've sort of pushed it aside because you think that it may not be viable at the same yeah. time. And I know that you did touch on this before, but the viability of your size range, you know, so if we could talk about that a little bit, just because it's a big, it's a, you know, like you want to have that ability to have the size six to size 20, which is what you currently have. And there's always been different feedback around the sizing to go greater than the 20. And you only really introduced 26 months ago or fully, so. Fully six months ago on our basics collection a year ago. It's a tricky one because it's not a case of add the size and they will come. And we're still working on it. And I still want to extend our sizing further. We're cut for curves. So everything is cut on me and then sized up on down. So I don't say we're a generous label. We just have cut for those curves from the start, which is why we supply all that information about sizing. The typical customer for us falls into the size 12 to 16 range. We would sell the most in those sizes. And then we get customers in the other sizes. So it's it's trying to work out the right skew of those sizing um, proportions so you're not left with lots and lots in the sizes that aren't sold so much, but also wanting to see that interest in the size 20s so that you can then extend it further. And that's just something as a small business, financially independent small business that I need to be careful of because if I order... 10 size 22s at the expense of to keep the same budget of size 14, then I probably am going to lose money if they don't sell. So it's just that intuitive thing and doing it slowly. And I want to increase the range, but it's also just not something that I can wave a magic wand. I don't have a limitless supply of money to be able to do that. We wish, don't we? I wish. As the people pleaser in me just wants to give it to everyone. Everybody. Here we go. Here's all the sizes. And it's definitely a goal. And I I just need to see the uptake in our size 20s before we can take that any further. And if anyone's not gone on to the Starling New site, I really do, you know, say that you should have a look on the site because Nikki's done a, such a fabulous job in the way that she not only presents the clothing, but also giving you a lot of information around the sizing. As I said before, it is shot on from size sixes to 20 models, but the sizing is all there. She talks about the garment, the fabrication. There's so much information. So you've really been able to create the beautiful buying online. I get very frustrated going to other sites now. (laughs) And I go, where's the information? How tall is this model? I just need to know. And I do that a lot. I actually look to see how tall the model is because then you can then understand where that skirt might fall on yourself. So, you know, if there's brands out there, it's really important to put this information on there so that, you know, your consumer can really make the best and informed decisions when they're purchasing. And it really impacts on your returns as well. There's just more information, the less returns. And the other thing I would say is if a site is providing lots of information and it says to size up or size down, actually go with that. (laughs) We get a lot of people go, oh, I read that, but then I thought, no. And I've just gone, no, that's why we write it. And that's things we can pick up from returns. And that's when I go, oh, and even on photo shoot days when we photographed on the eight different models, 
there was one or two garments in the last six months where everybody sized down except our poor size six model who couldn't go any further. And so I was able to say that with confidence, size down in this garment because I've seen it from size 20 down and that is gold as it is. So listen and look for that information and the sites that give that, they want you to have the best online shopping experience. Yeah, yeah, which is what you do brilliantly. So as we wrap up, where to? So we've, you know, we're halfway through the year, just about to launch into a spring summer collection. It comes around so quickly. If anyone's in the fashion industry, you blink and winter's gone and you're already forward thinking what's happening in spring summer. So yeah, where to for the label as well? My headspace is in designing next winter as well, which freaks me out, but it is actually easier to do it while you're wearing winter, winter clothing. Pieces. Yeah. You don't have to imagine <laughs> what it's going to be like to, yeah. And spring, our monthly drops for spring summer will start to roll out mid August onwards. That is something that was all decided back in February, March. So you have to remember all that, get excited about all that at the same time as thinking ahead to next winter. But we have some exciting things happening, including a collaboration that I just cannot wait to share. It's top secret at the moment. There'll be more sequins because how well, can who we do exactly. Who doesn't want a sequin? <laughs> yeah, we love the styling new sequins. And because more people are back in the office and originally we were helping women to be dressed for the office, that kind of dropped off a bit and we've been able to bring back pieces that have that use. But like most of our things, we want you to be able to wear them on the weekend as well. Perfect. So we've got a a combination of everything with the concentration on those wardrobe basics. Yeah. Wonderful. So we can't wait to see what's coming up in your monthly drops. And if, yeah, if you didn't know, Nikki does do a monthly drop. Such a great business model, which I have loved. You aren't just releasing everything at once or that's it for the whole season. You've curated it exceptionally well. And each month there's like eight to 12 pieces, would you say? That's part of the collection and it's interchangeable from collection to collection, which I think you do beautifully. So look out for the next drop in in August. Um, So yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending time on a Friday morning in my office. We will definitely see you soon. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening to Delivering Joy. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it around or leave a review. This helps others find the podcast. Join me next time as we go behind the brands and discover what it really takes to deliver joy to customers. 